Hello, and welcome to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry Podcast, where we talk all things food, cooking, kitchen, and pantry storage for vehicle nomads. I hope you have all been having a good fall and holiday season and are ready to jump in and talk food and food preparation and food cooking tools. As always, I have been busy thinking up different food ideas and recipe ideas and living life, getting through each day, doing what I have to do. (laughs) I hope you are all doing the same. I want to tell you where I am now listed. I, of course, am still having trouble with the Apple Podcasts. I find that I am not the only person who has had a horrific time getting listed with Apple Podcasts. It says I am listed, but I have to go through and finalize the process. And every time I try to do that, I get a technical difficulty brick wall. So someday I may break through that wall, but until then, I am not currently on Apple Podcasts. I am on Podbean, of course. That is the home site. You can also catch my podcast on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Amazon Music slash Audible, on Pandora, on Player FM, iHeartRadio, and Listen Notes. And Listen Notes, uh, at least, I don't know if any of the others, but Listen Notes, you can listen to just by Googling Van Life Pantry on the internet, and you do not have to download an app to listen on Listen Notes. So that is a friendly way to be able to find me. And of course, if you want to find my Facebook group, it is just called Van Life Pantry Dash Nomadic Pantry on Facebook. It is a private group. You do have to answer the questions to be admitted into the group. They're simple questions. I've made two of them multiple choice and one of them you have to actually type a word or two. Um, But come join us. We are currently up to 3,000 group members and we share a lot of inspiring ideas and information, um, not just about the recipes and the food that you can cook, but also about what cooking gadgets. And, you know, we try to stumble through storage topics, which is always a big topic and a big question, especially for people who haven't been doing this for very long or for people who have been doing it for a while but maybe didn't have a van build. They are working through with just a rudimentary no-build build, and um, (laughs) that presents its unique set of challenges. As you know, I have mostly a no-build build. I did build a bed, but I didn't do anything that was permanently affixed inside the vehicle yet. Um, I may or may not do a full build at some point, but for now, I hobble through with my bench seat still in and the bed build in the back, and I have a little dresser that... I have anchored in and uh, it doesn't move, but you know, it, it is, it isn't the ideal built in cupboard shelf space either. So for people who have that going on, storage is always a big topic and 
it is different for each person. Storage is uniquely you. You have to find what works for your vehicle. What works for me doesn't work for other people. And my suggestions are use bins with snap closed lids, which I do. But as I have gotten more into this, I find that I don't use the lids as much as I thought I would. I end up having the lids in my way because in my underbed storage, I prefer to have the lid off so that when I pull that bin toward me, I can just grab what's inside of it. I don't have to try to wrestle with the lid to get the lid off. But for other people, they have to have the lid because they may have their storage configured differently. And I have seen people who recently have said, every time I move, everything falls everywhere and I cannot keep everything secured. And so what do I do? Well, for those people, I definitely suggest lids that snap on and bungee cords or ratchet straps help hold things in place. If you have an actual build or things affixed to the walls inside, then you would want to have anchors that hold your bins in place so that they don't roll around or open up or dump over while you're moving. You also want to make sure that you have things secured because anything that is loose or movable can be dangerous for you in the event of a possible accident. None of us ever want to have an accident. None of us ever want to have to think about what that would mean. But people do have them. And if you have something loose and moving around, it can become a dangerous projectile. So storage is is a big thing. Um, I have seen people suggest using dry bags for dry goods. And those can be stored a little more easily than rigid um, boxes or plastic containers inside your bins, inside the pantry bin. Um, I use a little mixture. I use a bit of Ziploc bag. I use a bit of cloth produce bag to hold things like um, individually packaged pieces of fruit leather or individually packaged instant oatmeal or things like that that have little packaging or tea bags that you know you need to wrangle together into a specific place but you don't want them to um, go all over inside the bin so I use little cloth bags for those I use plastic jars for certain things and I use Um, I have a woven basket for snacks and that basket is movable anywhere I want to put it. I like to keep it all the way in one spot in my underbed storage, but it's easily accessible by just one reach in. If I happen to be on a trip, I will sometimes place it on the floor between the two front seats where it's easily accessible by the person on the bench seat or by the person in the passenger seat or by myself if I happen to be parked in a safe place to be able to rummage through the snack bin. So whatever your storage tips are, we would love to hear them in the group because I think the group information is a little bit skinny on 
those kinds of tips at this point. I tend to share more about recipes and specific cooked foods because for me that's easier. That's kind of my R&D, my research and development. What I like to do on a daily basis is figure out some interesting different ways to create the food and then I share what I did and how I did it. Those things are much easier than trying to share a new whole storage system. And um, so yeah, that's that's really <laughs> all I have to say on that today, I guess. Um, it's just different for each person. And, and if you have some really stellar tips and tricks, I would love to know them. And, um, you know, I watch a woman named Clutterbug and she is amazing at helping people declutter their homes. And um, I sometimes wonder if there is someone who is a clutterbug type person who um, can advise people in van life or in mobile RV nomadic life. I could maybe get up to snuff for that, but I'm really not that person. I just do what works for me. And um, I don't know at this point how to cookie cutter that for others. But if you know of someone who is a nomad, um, clutter or storage expert, send them my way. I'd love to pick their brain and, and chat about what they do and what things they would advise for people um, as kind of a, a cookie cutter way to get this going. Anyway, um, on to the food. So on to the food ideas. I if you've been listening, you know that I almost exclusively am using Dash Mini appliances for cooking. And um, I've been just using the Dash Mini Egg Bite Maker without the silicone cups. Um, and basically what that is, is a, a little 5-inch by 5-inch electric skillet. I think that makes it the most versatile Dash Mini that I have seen. It can be used to cook almost anything in a very tiny way. So one of the things I recently made was a breakfast pocket. And you could do this as a lunch or a dinner pocket. It doesn't matter. Um, I put six slices of pepperoni, a bit of cheese, and one cooked egg. And a tortilla. So I cooked the egg first in the Dash Mini. You can scramble it or you can just crack it in there and, and it will end up looking like a fried egg and you can do the yolk to your liking, hard, hard, over hard or over easy or over medium, whatever you choose. Um, I did this as a, an over hard egg and then I took the egg out. I put the tortilla in. I lined it with the six slices of pepperoni. I added the cheese on top. I popped the egg in there and then I folded the tortilla over into a little pocket and I closed the lid and everything is really pre-cooked. So it, you only just need a few minutes here to heat everything up and get it all nice and, and cheese melted and everything. Um, I did about three to four minutes and I flipped it and I did a couple of minutes on the other side. You could have not flipped it. Um, it's just at that point, it's to your liking, however you want it cooked. And then voila, it's finished and you eat. 
and you have a very wholesome, good tasting breakfast. And what I love about this, and I've said this before, is that it gives you portion control because you can only cook a small amount at one time. And that small amount is really sized well for a single person meal. Now, they do make a slightly larger family size, they call it, um, egg bite maker. And this particular egg bite maker is five inches by five inches, and it holds four silicone cups if you're actually doing the egg bites. The larger one, I do not know the inches dimension because I haven't looked it up, but I believe it holds nine egg cups. So it is quite a bit larger. But I don't recommend that one for van life or nomadic life unless you are in an RV or in some conveyance that uh, has a lot of electrical ability because that one not only is larger, but it uses 1200 watts of power instead of the Dash Mini, which uses only 420 watts. So yes, it's larger. Yes, you can cook more. You can do a, a larger family size meal, perhaps, or a meal for two. I don't know about a whole family, um, but you can do nine egg bites if you're doing the egg bites. Uh, but but it's you know that's that's not the one I would recommend. I just want you to know it is available, and if you are a person who says that the mini is way too small because you have to eat more than that, then just know that there is a larger one available. But the mini is, I think, perfectly sized for a single person meal. And if you have two people, then of course you have to do batches. Um, one of the things that I did over the Thanksgiving holiday was I tried pumpkin pie bites. And I wanted to know how these little silicone cups were for use in pie making. I didn't have a crust, so it was a crustless, basically a pumpkin custard. Um, one of the recipes that comes with the Dash Mini Egg Bite Maker is uh, custard or, or a, yeah, I, well, a custard. <laughs> I don't know. They have a few. There's a cheesecake. There's a, a couple of others. Um, I didn't use any of their recipes. I cooked a pie pumpkin. I happened to have access to a full house-sized oven. Uh, for the weekend. And so I cooked my pie pumpkins and I used my um, food processor because I had house electricity and I made the pumpkin puree like I would be making a normal pie. And I actually did make two normal pies. Uh, with the excess, I wanted to test out the egg bite maker and its use for these little pie bites. And while they came out really tasty and very um, well cooked, it is not conducive to van life if you don't have a lot of time and a lot of electricity because it holds four little cups and each of those cups holds about one tablespoon mm -hmm. of the mixture and that took a half hour to bake, just like a normal pie would take. Um, this Dash Mini Egg Bite Maker gets to between 400 and 425 degrees temperature. But when you're cooking raw, well, I mean, the pumpkin was pre-cooked, but in essence, when you're cooking raw pie filling, 
you still have to cook it as long as pie filling has to cook. And so in this case, that was a 30 minute wait for four bites of pie. And those bites are really, a, you know, a couple of bites for a person, two or three bites. If you use a tiny little spoon and you can put a little whipped cream on top of your tiny bite. Um, but still, it is really not worth spending your time slaving over the mini egg bite maker to have four bites of pie in a half hour. <laughs> That's going to take too much electricity if you don't have shore power. And uh, if, I mean, if you have to do a half hour for four bites and you're cooking however many bites in several batches that takes, you're going to be there several hours making little pie bites. It's totally not worth it. It was fun for a little R&D. I did one batch of four. They were really tasty and good and it was great and they looked really cute, but um, that is not really a feasible thing to do. So I did it. I reported back for you. You can mark that off the list of things to try unless you do just want to stand there for a very long time and make pie bites. Um, so the next thing that I did recently was spam. I grew up eating spam now and then when I was a kid. It was pretty popular in the 70s for <laughs> families and um, I don't completely dislike it. I like the flavor. I don't love the ingredients or the processing that goes into making spam. But what I have learned in this mobile life is it's very useful to have on hand in van life, in any kind of nomadic traveling life where you need something that is quick and easy and long shelf life storable before you open it, of course. Um, so canned meats are good. And in the realm of canned meats, Spam is one of the easiest and most tasty to use. So I do keep one or two cans of Spam on hand at all times, but I hadn't tried any recipes with it yet. So I just did a, a dinner the other night. I did one red potato. I cut that up and cooked that in the Dash Mini. Now that took about a half hour. So uh, you may or may not want to do raw potato all the way to completion. If you have the ability to pre-boil the potato or use pre-cooked potatoes, that would be a better choice if, unless you have electrical power and you've got, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to spend on this. Um, but I was, of course, again, testing this out. So raw, fresh, one red potato cut into small cubes, small diced uh, potato little pieces. Um, I just did a little bit of olive oil and closed the lid and let that cook. It took about 30 minutes. And then I took the potatoes out and I just put in a few slices of the Spam and I cut those slices in half so that I had four, well, I, had, I, I did two slices at a time. So I had four little half bits in my egg bite maker. And then when those were finished, and of course it's pre-cooked, so all you're really doing is warming. And if you like it a little bit browned, uh, which I do, I do not like it the way it comes out of the can. I like to have it cooked and browned. So I left it in there long enough to be cooked and browned to my liking. And then I served on a plate. So potato and spam. And then I had fresh, raw, fermented 
daikon radish kimchi. I absolutely adore this raw fermented daikon radish kimchi. I have only ever found it locally available in uh, an area of southern Oregon. Um, I do believe that they ship it to places, but when I am not in southern Oregon, I am sorely missing it. Um, it is tasty, it is fresh, it is crunchy, it has a really good bit of kick spice to it. And that was a good pairing to go with this Spam and potatoes. And then I topped it with half of a raw sliced fresh avocado. And that was it. It was simple. It did take about 45 minutes because I had to wait for the potato cooking time. A good alternative to that, if you have a 12-volt compressor fridge or freezer at your disposal, is to have on hand some pre-cut hash browns. Um, their various stores carry preformed, pre-cut hash browns. And instead of doing a fresh raw potato, if you like the ingredients in the prepared hash browns, you could keep those on hand and those would be much quicker to just warm to your liking in the Dash Mini. So potatoes, spam, avocado, and fresh raw kimchi. The next thing that I did lately was another way to use up potatoes. If you go to, let's say, Five Guys, because on occasion, I do go to a fast food restaurant. I try to avoid all of them except In-N-Out Burger or Five Guys or another type place, if there is one that exists, where I can see them cut the raw potatoes and cook them from scratch, from real raw potatoes. I like that those places do not freeze their meat. They use fresh meat and they use raw, real potatoes that you can see them cook from raw. Um, but Five Guys is notorious for giving you very large portions of fries. And really, it is a larger portion. Even the small size is a larger portion than one person should eat in one sitting. So if I go to Five Guys, I get a medium fry and then I eat a bit in one meal. I put it in my fridge and then the next morning or whenever the next meal is, if I want to have potatoes again, I can cut them up and make them into fried potatoes. This is a much faster way to get them cooked on the Dash Mini. I just take the fries and I cut them into little segments, pop it into the Dash Mini with a very little bit of oil and get them re-saturated and recooked into nice, hot, fresh, basically uh, fried potatoes. And I paired that with a scrambled egg or a fried egg. I topped that with a bit of fresh basil and I had a fresh raw sliced apple on the side. So you have a nice fresh breakfast and you can use some pre-cooked ingredients to make that. Some of the other tips and hacks that you can do are uh, pre-cooked baked potato at Wendy's. I may have mentioned these before, but I will also mention them again in the future. They are very handy. You can add all your own toppings or you can get some of their toppings. But if you want to do potato that's pre-cooked, 
a pre-cooked baked potato from Wendy's is a good way to go. You can get it completely plain and basically they did the cooking time and electricity for you. You get to reap the benefit and do whatever you want to do with that potato. I do a lot of free hot water from coffee stands. Um, some of them will charge you 25 or 50 cents. I've been charged as high as 75 cents for uh, the cup if I don't bring my own. A lot of the places these days with, with the climate as it is right now, um, people don't want you to bring your own cup. Um, they want to not touch your cup. But there are some that will let you hold the cup and they will pour for you. So I, I try to bring my own Yeti and I like to have that one filled. It's uh, about an 18 ounce cup. I get the hot water that comes directly out of their hot tap and it comes out at 190 degrees. So you can use it for instant oatmeal. You can use it for hot tea. You can just drink it as hot water. I like to do that a lot. I don't drink enough water sometimes and I'm trying to make sure that I get more water intake. But this time of year, I want something hot and uh, comforting. And so, um, you know, you can, you can trick yourself or not into pretending that it is coffee or tea or hot cocoa or whatever. Um, and you just get that soothing warmth of a hot drink. So free water and you can use it in many different ways. The other thing that I did recently and this is actually not about food, but it is on the realm of free hot water. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, the places already have the hot water, but it does cost them to heat it. It does cost them to have overhead of employees that work there. So if you can afford to offer 50 cents for the water, um, that's always a good idea. And they will gladly, you know, charge it in the register. Uh, that way you are contributing to helping that business, but they are also contributing to helping you in a very uh, frugal lifestyle. So the other thing that I did recently was I, I uh, helped someone who needed some warm things and I like to use hot water bottles. I had an extra hot water bottle and I gave that one to these people. I went to a mini mart there are many kinds. I don't need to give a, a name of which type I went to, but you could use a truck stop or any place that is like a 24-hour stop-and-go kind of market. They often have coffee makers there, and they have water that it has, a, it has a hot water spigot usually on these large commercial coffee makers. And I asked first, if they would charge me or if I could just fill this hot water bottle and they said no there was no charge and yes I could fill it and yes the person who was houseless could come back at any point and refill it anytime they needed to. So you can use the hot water for more than just your cooking. If you have a hot water bottle and you like to use that it's very good under the covers near your feet to help warm the bed before you get in. I also happen to use an electric blanket, so I uh, don't have to have the hot water bottle at all times, but it is a good thing to have, and it is good to know that you can go fill it at most of those kinds of places for free or for, you know, 25 or 50 cents. Um, I don't know if that will help anybody, but if it does, I hope that you have found utility in that. 
I will also say that the best hot water bottle that I know of on the market is a German brand called Fashy, F-A-S-H-Y. They're a silicone hot water bottle, and I have one that has lasted me 14 years almost. Uh, it's still going. It's not been quite 14 years, but but it's been close. And um, I have used it nightly some years, every night, depending on you know, the, the cold that year. Uh, and, and I've not had to replace it yet. So I have three of those. Uh, well, now I have two, I gave one away, but they can be purchased online. Some people say, oh, well that's, you know, expensive. I think mine was $17. If you amortize that over 14 years of use, it's extremely negligible. (laughs) That is a very decent price for a hot water bottle. And it is a very good price for warmth. They will stay warm between 6 to 10 hours, I have found. If you have the water to a certain temperature, you can't boil it because then you will cause it to leak. Um, But, you know, just below that boiling point and you put the lid on and you put it under covers, you keep it covered, um, it will stay warm for a very long time. And now by 10 hours, it's, it's barely still warm, but there is still some detectable warmth from it. 10 hours later in my testing. So um, maybe that will help you. The last thing I want to do before I conclude today is I want to mention an herbal application. I have a book called Ancient Healing Secrets, and it was written by Diane Dinson Buckman, PhD, Practical Cures That Work Today. Now, I'm not claiming that these are cures, as I never do, but I'm just reading you the title of the book. So, because it is the time of year that it is, and we are going into winter, and people do typically have seasonal colds, and often with the seasonal cold comes a cough, I want to share the little bit of a segment here on coughs. And basically, you have to remember that a cough is your body's reflex. It is the way for your body to expel any uh, foreign matter or mucus or phlegm that is building up in your system. So you don't want to completely suppress a cough, um, but you do want to control the cough because they can become painful if you have an uncontrolled continual cough. So one of the ways that traditionally was used in places before there was a lot of access to uh, pharmaceuticals and doctors was the use of onions. And I've mentioned onions in the past for fever um, support and for cutting them into slices and putting them in the socks against the bottoms of the feet overnight or even throughout the day, but leaving them until they uh, turn dark and then you start with a fresh onion again. Um, But for coughs, one of the things that um, traditionally was done is immerse someone into an onion bath. This means that they would cut up a large number of onions, as many as they could have available, and place them in a hot bath with the person and immerse the person into the bath. And they would do this to aid in 
various colds and coughs and pneumonia and other things. Um, and it's smelly and, um, you know, who knows what the current modern science says about it, but, um, I am interested in reviewing traditional uses. And so again, that's what I'm sharing the bath of onions. And it is thought that it helps the body, um, detoxify. It helps to, uh, push out the toxins that are causing the illness. And, um, a similar remedy would be roasting the onion or boiling an onion or just squeezing the juice out of an onion and putting it together with honey and making a thick syrup. So that turns into an onion honey cough syrup. And you would use a, you know, teaspoon or tablespoon every hour or every couple of hours as needed to help soothe the cough. Another method would be to grate fresh raw ginger and mix it with raw honey and make a cough syrup that way. Uh, that was another aid that people used. And then, of course, just chewing fresh raw ginger is helpful. And um, ginger is known to have antimicrobial and antiviral and antibacterial properties. And so just chewing the fresh ginger can help a bit with a cough, but also can help overall with whatever might be going on with the body. Lastly, the other remedy mentioned in this book is the traditional mustard plaster. So this one is um, messier and much like a turmeric paste, it will, it can stain any cloth that it comes into contact with. So you would use a couple of tablespoons of mustard powder, just the kind that you get from, you know, the spice aisle mixed with a couple of tablespoons of flour, which kind of helps hold it together as a paste. And if you are gluten intolerant, you're probably not going to want to use a gluten containing flour because you're going to place this directly on your skin. So uh, you could use a potato starch, you could use um, any other kind of tapioca starch, um, arrowroot powder, something that helps to hold the mustard powder together with a couple of tablespoons of tepid water. That's not hot, but just warm water. So two tablespoons of each thing, mustard powder, some sort of flour or starch agent, and then water. And you just mix those together and, and you get that to be kind of a paste. And you just use that on a cloth and spread it on the cloth and then fold the cloth over and you lay it directly on the person's chest. And then you repeat as needed and keep that going um, as long as there is a need for it. Now, if you have delicate skin, the recommendation is to apply a bit of olive oil or maybe coconut oil to the skin first um, because you don't want the mustard spice to cause you any kind of skin discomfort. So, you know, take these as you will, but I love to explore traditional remedies for things that would also otherwise be food. And um, those are my herbal applications of the day. 
Once again, we have reached the end of the podcast. I hope that something I have said here gives you some inspiration or ideas or um, usefulness. And I hope that you will come back again next time. I will continue to do what I do and find interesting bits of information to share with you. Um, And I want to say the Rubber Tramp Rendezvous is happening in January of 2022. It will be in Quartzsite, I believe, from the 16th through the 23rd of January. And you can find that information on the Bob Wells uh, website, Homes on Wheels Alliance, or you can find it on Bob Wells' Facebook page or YouTube channel. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a nomadic gathering. It's one of the most well-known nomadic gatherings. And uh, I'm hoping to be there this time. So maybe I will see you on down the road.